You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. Good morning and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Locked On Broncos podcast over here at the Locked On NFL Network. We are your daily bite-sized podcast, giving you the best coverage of all things orange and blue related. Very stoked to be back with you guys here once again for another episode of the show. I know it's Tuesday. We're getting to that point where it's almost midweek, hump days approaching us. But I tell you what, the offseason is still ongoing for the Broncos, and there are a lot of things that the team still needs to accomplish and evaluate, especially with the NFL draft upcoming. We're going to keep you posted with all that draft coverage over here at the Locked On Broncos podcast. And if you want some draft coverage stuff, I highly encourage you guys to check out Locked On NFL Draft with Trevor Sikama and John Leder, two of the best guys in the business over there at the Draft Network doing a lot of amazing things as well. But today's episode of the show, we're going to go through our daily Broncos rundown segment and one, our Broncos thought of the day in terms of the Broncos culture. Broncos country answers the call once again, as always, coming in clutch like Paul Millsap in the fourth quarter. And then segment number two, Cameron and I, we're going to be talking about a couple storylines that I think are very interesting, maybe maybe heading into training camp, how so it could play out a little bit more so. I think we need to talk about Brandon Langley, his conversion to wide receiver from cornerback, and, and what that may look like, and why people shouldn't sleep on the idea of that for Brandon Langley, as well as some other things. The Dolphins are reportedly laughing at the Juwan James signing for the Broncos. In all honesty, I'm not really sure that they should be in a position to laugh. They are in tank season. We're going to talk about some of that and some other NFL storylines that implicate the Broncos on today's episode of the show. So without further ado, I am your host, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst covering the Denver Broncos, as well as the NFL. You guys can shoot me a follow on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can also check out some of the work I do with a great group of content creators over there at the fan side of networks, predominantly orange. Com. Got some really cool content news coming for you guys here. I'll announce it later on Twitter. Not yet, though. I'm going to keep you guys guessing a little bit. Some career news coming your way. Don't worry. It doesn't affect Lockdown Broncos. We'll just still be doing this every single day, but an exciting new step for me and what we could do with the Lockdown Broncos podcast as well as the Broncos country community. So without further ado, let's jump to our Broncos thought of the day. The question was, on January 1st of 2019, Broncos country sat in despair as it seemed the culture of the orange and blue had fallen apart with Vance Joseph at the helm. Two months later, when we fast forward to March 19th, it feels completely different under Coach Fangio. We asked Broncos country, what stood out to them? What are they really looking forward to? And what's given them some hope for 2019 and maybe even beyond? And we're going to start with my man Stephen Curtis at Beast7326. The coaching hires. We hired an O-line coach that is the best or second best in the business. We got a tight end coach who has coached pro bowlers. The defense coordinator has had top five defenses before as a DC. The only coaching hire that isn't experienced or one of the best at is what they do is Scangerello. And Scangerello is one of the best quarterback coaches. He got the rightful promotion to offensive coordinator and could be a star in the making. We just don't know. But he's only guy on staff. We don't know what they can do. And Steven, I would say that's a pretty fair point. Going back, you know, he's got a lot of college coaching experience. He's got a lot of experience there. He's, you know, being an offensive coordinator in college, 
compared to the NFL is a little different. You're working with different talent. You got to go up against tougher defenses, in all honesty. But he does have a very good knack at identifying quarterbacks. You know, he's a big, big reason that the 49ers drafted Nick Mullins. He's one of the guys that they didn't even have on their radar. But Nick Mullins was a guy that stood out to Rich Scangerello. And he has a little bit of an eye for a quarterback. And I tell you what, the Broncos, they're in a department where, hey, you know what, you need to be able to identify in the future what type of quarterback can you have to benefit the roster, which can be the next guy for the next 10, 15 years once Joe Flacco is done. That's one thing I'm really looking forward to seeing as Coach Scangerillo is the offensive coordinator, is what input he can offer to John Elway, the scouting department, in terms of when it comes to quarterback. Because it's one of the hardest positions across the board to evaluate, whether it's in college, whether you know it's in JUCO, whether it's NAIA, Division Two, Division One, whatever it may be. Identifying college quarterbacks and you know analyzing how they're going to play in the NFL, it's nearly impossible. Some guys look really good. I mean, I always hate to go back to this, but go back to Vince Young when he was playing. He looked good in the NCAA. He just it didn't work out in the NFL, unfortunately. Same thing with guys like Jamarcus Russell or Brady Quinn, NFL quarterbacks. It's a hard, hard game to play when you're trying to get one of those. So thank you, Stephen, for that. My man Eric Blackman14 says, I feel like the competency of the staff has vastly improved. Now time will tell if that's true, but it certainly feels that way. I would say based on the moves that the Broncos have made, Every move that they've made so far this offseason, it does make sense, not only just for the team fit, but financially it makes sense for them as well. So, Eric, thank you, as always, for staying plugged into the conversation. Uh, Jeff Jackson, he says, at true, JJ32 says, people say the culture was bad because they were losing. I think that's an overused phrase. Every time a new coach or GM comes into a team, they say they need to change the culture. If Denver doesn't start winning, the culture will turn bad again. Hopefully that's not the case. And Jeff, I, I agree with you to an extent. Now, here's my thing. When we talk about culture, we talk about what is accepted and, and how things are conducted. And, and you can go back to several instances during games where, you know, the Broncos just didn't, you know, they didn't have this mentality on the coaching staff to to go for the win or to put trust in that fact. I mean, you know, going not going for it on fourth down against the Browns. That was one of the biggest things, too, that really stood out. But they wanted to go for it on fourth down against another team that maybe didn't really apply to, you know, why did you try to put yourself in that situation? You could have kicked a field goal there. There were times where the Broncos chose to settle in 2018 and even in 2017. Now, one thing that's always stood out about the Broncos in the last two years is that their defense has held up a majority of the time. Now, in 2017, they did get shredded quite a bit. I remember the Philadelphia Eagles in specific – to be a game where the secondary just got toasted. In 2018, the secondary got toasted once again, so they had to change that. And, and what I mean by culture, we don't always talk about just losing as a culture, but we, we talk about how things are conducted and, and everything just seemed like, you know, it was too coy. There was too much ambiguity and we could never get a straight ounce, you know, answer out of Vance Joseph at the press conference podium after a game, after a loss. It was always just deflection, deflection, deflection. There was no sense of accountability, it seemed like. But right now, everything looks completely different. So I'm excited and with the new head coach look you have to have a new culture because guess what it's a new system new coaching staff new expectations they're not going to keep the same expectations outside of winning as the the blueprint and the model what they want to use going forward so everything from 2017 2018 the Vance Joseph era everything of that culture has to go no more no negotiating coach Fangio is in the house Isaac Yogo says, not a Broncos fan, but I think the Flacco move was a good buy low. If I was them, I'd be after Justin Houston, though. Hey, you know what? It doesn't it doesn't seem like a bad idea to have Justin Houston. You know, it'd be kind of like a slap in the face to the Kansas City Chiefs. But here's the thing, though. I think with Justin Houston's contract, I think it would be too cost uh, detrimental to the Broncos. 
I, I think that would be the scenario there is it would cost too much money. The Broncos couldn't afford to take on that. Not only that, they do have Jeff Holland developing behind Von Miller, which is nice. You want to see some of those young guys develop. And Jeff Holland does have a lot of talent that didn't really get tapped into until late last year. And unfortunately, the sample size we witnessed with him wasn't good enough. But Justin Houston, if you want to make that veteran move, I just don't see how the contract will play into the factor of what Denver wants to do this year. But yes, I mean, that would be a pretty good move. But I'm, I'm very excited about the Joe Flacco move. I know a lot of people don't normally say that, but I am. And I think a lot of people in Broncos country are as well. Um, HBIC says Fangio. It's so nice to have somebody at the helm that knows what they're doing and sets the right tone for the rest of the organization. Also, the moves he has made with regards to coaching and free agency has given me confidence and hope. I absolutely agree. I think that's a great, great statement there. There is some optimism. Now, I think with optimism, we have to also be realistic at the same exact time. And, you know, I I see a lot of people with these moves. I mean, these are power moves the Broncos are making, not only just on the defensive side of the ball to help counteract that Kansas City Chiefs offense, who, you know, they may be missing Tyreek Hill now. So we'll see what that looks like for them. But really taking a look at the defensive side of the ball, the Broncos are trying to create that strong defense once again. I think that's definitely the strength of their organization already. They're building on that. That's key. They got to build up on the offense a little bit too. And I think Joe Flacco is a great move for it. But here's the thing though, even with that optimism that we have, we must have realistic expectations. Should we expect the Broncos to completely turn things around in year one of Coach Fangio? I don't think that's fair. I would say, you know, even Coach Fangio said, look, you know, this this is not a thing where we're going to, we may not even turn it around exactly the first year. This may be a one to two year thing before we get back to doing what we actually want and competing in the playoffs. I, I'm okay with that. I'm trusting the process with that. The move so far suggested the Broncos have embraced a culture of accountability and trying to right the ship to get back to playoff contention. I'm excited to see how it's going to go. Mile High Memories, my man, says, I'm going to wait and see what our games look like. Every offseason, I've been getting jacked, way too excited. I'm playing this one much cooler. Excited about our free agent additions, but I'll give it four to six regular season games to see if Vic is the man. And like I said, you know, you got to keep in mind, despite these additions, Denver still could go through some adversity. It may not completely turn around after year one. I think we all have to be patient. Uh, he followed that up with saying, I agree. I'm not looking for win-loss as the indicator of success. I'm looking for the way that we play, heart, discipline, situational coaching, execution, game planning, halftime adjustments, creativity, and whether or not it feels like we can and should win games as opposed to question marks. My, hey, that is the best analysis that we've seen so far today. My high memories. I appreciate that. I mean, that's great. I mean, that's one thing I'm ter- in terms of we talked about culture just a couple moments ago. That is the number one thing the Broncos need. They need heart, discipline, situation. Situational coaching, execution. They need to have proper game planning, making those halftime adjustments, being creative without shooting yourselves in the foot. The Broncos did a lot of shooting themselves in the foot 2017, 2018. They got to keep it simple, stupid. If I'm going to quote somebody very, very famous there, that's what the Broncos have to get back to. And it all goes back to heart, discipline, situational coaching, and execution. Mile high memories. Good, good point right there. My man, you get the award for the day. Uh, the AJ Broncos says, leadership is back. Boom, I agree. New type underscore JK47, credentials of success and an immediate presence of maturity and accountability. We needed that back in Dove Valley. VJ had none of that, and it showed. I have no disagreements with you there. My man, C. Stevens says, making smart moves personnel and coaching-wise while not spending outrageously in free agency is a good start. The Broncos paid for what they needed. They filled those major holes. Cornerback, right tackle, they're making those moves. You can solidify some of that if you trade for Darren Lee, which could be a possibility. Nothing concrete out there despite several reports that we've been seeing. We'll keep you updated on that a little bit later on here in segment number two. Newhouse Nate says, Vic Fangio has had decades of success as a defensive coordinator 
coordinator as opposed to one bad year as a coordinator. That kind of experience is valuable, and you can tell the players are reacting well to the culture change. You absolutely are. The attitude in Dove Valley is much, much different. And my man Kyle Werner, we're building another elite defense, Orange Crush 2K19. I can live with that. I like that. But we're going to get on to segment number two here in just a moment. But before we jump into that, i got to remind you guys, look, Adam Adas has the big scoop. The Nuggets have clinched a playoff spot. That means we're going to have playoff basketball in the Mile High City at the can. And that means you need to be there. But until that time... 13 games remaining. The Nuggets got to battle the gambit of a tough road trip. They got to play the New York Knicks, the Washington Wizards on his eastern stretch that they have to obviously build up and compete to get to that number one seed in the Western Conference, possibly some home court advantage. But Adam Adas has you covered as the Nuggets march into Boston and take everything with a big, big win on the road to secure their first playoff berth in five seasons. Check it out. Locked on Nuggets. Now, one interesting development that came from the Broncos offseason was seeing that former cornerback, he's still a player on the team, but now he's a wide receiver. Brennan Langley was making the conversion from cornerback to wide receiver, and really there shouldn't be any question. I know a lot of people came out and said, why would he want to do that? Well, there is a lot of familiarity there with him playing wide receiver and Cameron. One of the biggest things, too, is you see a lot of people on on Twitter and Broncos country really just hammering away at Brennan Langley. Here's the thing. I was super, super high on Brennan Langley coming out of the draft. He's a guy that once the Broncos drafted him, I wanted to see what he could do. I know gearing up for that preseason action against the Chicago Bears that first season. I believe that's when Carlos Henderson was on the team, but his first season as a rookie. One of the things I was really looking forward to seeing him was his growth as a defensive back, as a corner, and and unfortunately his rookie season, things didn't go according to plan for him. He got thrown into the fire, and I really think that's one of the things that really kind of did his confidence in. He got thrown into the fire against the Oakland Raiders after a keep to leave, got ejected, from his fight with Michael Crabtree. Those two have now squashed the beef. If you didn't find that out, now you know. But one of the things there was after that, his confidence was just destroyed. And, you know, I, I get it. And as a defensive back, it is super, super easy to lose your confidence. And you have to have that in order to be successful in the NFL. If you don't have confidence, you don't play with confidence, you're going to get beat week in and week out. And, and for Brennan Langley, I mean, he went from a guy that was on the roster to all of a sudden he was on the practice squad. And then the Broncos DBs were dropping like flies, so they brought him back. But there was just a lot of just question in terms of why would he make this move? Now, I, I think you made a great point, and that's certainly a storyline nobody's talking about. But when he was on the practice squad and he was repping that scout team, Broncos DBs came out in support of Brennan Langley, and they said, look... He gave us a lot of trouble during scout team practice. He gave guys some trouble, some of the starters. And, you know, I think a lot of opposing wide receivers gave the Broncos DB some trouble last year. But for Brennan Langley, I, you know what I, I envision for him, Cam, and I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this. I've always said it, too. I thought he could be a very good special teams player. And I want to see him involve and take on that role that the Broncos did with Kayvon Webster. You know, Kayvon Webster is more of a solidified defensive player too, but he made his mark on special teams. I feel like even though Brennan Langley, the climb for him to even make the roster as a wide receiver is very, very slim. I believe he could be that special teams ace at gunner on punt team and on kickoff coverage that we see Matthew Slater for the Patriots. Yeah, and I, I think that initially that's going to have to be where he makes his mark. And well, well, first off, we should probably label it this way that kudos to Brendan Langley 
to make this decision now. And and maybe it's just because he, he sees the writing on the wall or something. Maybe he just he knows that his time is now. Maybe a lot of those factors are weighing in. But the fact of the matter is, he said it himself. I don't know if you, you know, one of my good friends, um, Anthony Rodriguez, so works over down there at Orange and Blue 760. And if you guys are listening, please go check out that Twitter conversation that he did have with with Brendan Langley. And it's a really good conversation because it, it brings forward a lot of context to why Brennan Langley made the switch. And it isn't so much that he's making the transition from corner to wide receiver. It's the fact that he's going back to wide receiver. I, th- I think that people forget at times that he was a wide receiver, I believe it was at Georgia and initially at Lamar before he became a corner. And I think that the fact that he's clearly shown on the scout team that he's talented enough to show a lot of competitiveness and at that wide receiver position in practice and everything else, especially against that defense. Now, granted, it was against that defense of 2018, not say the defense of 2019. But in order for him to make his mark on this team initially, I mean, we, we saw it with Terrell Davis. How you make that 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 push initially is on special teams. And he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to become a gunner. He's going to have to be be that guy that maybe becomes a special teams ace like a Matthew Slater, like you mentioned. And then maybe he's, well, and actually, to, to, be, to be frank with you, Cody, he might end up, should we say, like a Cody Latimer, where maybe... Maybe his resurrection is not so much in Denver. Maybe it starts here, whereas just he makes his his pull because it's going to be a little bit difficult due to the wide receiver depth that's on the team. But maybe say it's it's a next step or something like that. And and we obviously don't want to project that. But you know, I think oftentimes, as we've seen in particular with Cody Latimer, he's taken the amount of should we say rep and, and really ran away with it and become a pretty decent wide receiver in the in the NFL. He really has, and I think with Brennan Langley too. You know, he, he faced so much criticism, and I know Mark Schlereth cl- kind of clarified that he was, you know, trying to make a, a statement, but it came across very rude and disrespectful. And if I was a player, I mean, I would take it to heart too because he's making this transition, he's trying to feed his family, he's trying to provide for those that have been so supportive of him through the journey to make it to the NFL only to face just criticism and, and people joking at him I completely get that you know he's got a lot of heart I want to see Brendan Langley succeed more than anybody because he's definitely a guy that I felt didn't get a fair start to his career in the National Football League I don't think he did I think he got put in very precarious situations I think it destroyed his confidence made him question whether or not he loved football but you know moving to wide receiver may be just what he needs to find that love and that passion again and and hopefully he can you know embellish that role in Denver and if not maybe another team somewhere can really benefit from that and that's something I look forward to seeing it's a storyline to follow coming up here in segment number three we're going to talk about some NFL storylines regarding the Dolphins they thinking that the Juwan James thing they laughed about it doesn't make much sense to me we got all these outlets like Sports Illustrated really kind of coming down on the Broncos offseason moves doesn't really make much sense but we're going to follow some other NFL storylines how it pertains to the Broncos and the rest of the AFC West coming up in segment number three Now, the Broncos made some big moves. I think adding Juwan James at right tackle was one of those good moves I think that the Broncos needed to make. Now, the Miami Dolphins apparently, and this is according to Andy Benoit, the Monday morning quarterback, he kind of disclosed this information and said privately, some people close to the Dolphins waited to see who signed Juwan James with the same eager anticipation with which you wait to see who sits on the seat with a whoopee cushion. They believe a rude surprise awaits that general manager. Turns out that general manager is John Elway. 
He won't hear the whoopee cushion until later on down the road, but the Dolphins are already laughing. You can understand why Elway made the move. Right tackles are hard to find, and playing with a bad one can significantly hinder your scheme, but the belief by some in Miami was that other teams wouldn't know just how much energy was spent each week game-planning ways to hide and help James. He's not quick or nimble enough to get out in space in the screen game, and he's prone to breakdowns both physical and mental and pass protection. And, you know, I think those last two lines right there, in all honesty, Cameron, I think those things kind of you know perceive that take as ridiculously fake now here's the thing if you go back and you watch any game film on the Miami Dolphins you look at Juwan James I've seen plenty of plays go back to the Houston Texans game for example where he gets out to the next level on a toss play or a screen pass to the tailback or to the wide receiver he gets out in space he's quick enough he's agile enough that's why he was signed by the Broncos and also it says he's prone to breakdowns both physical and mental in the pass protection how many offensive linemen in the NFL occasionally during a 16 game stretch in the NFL give up a mental lapse it happens it happens sometimes sometimes you get got how many times do we see Von Miller it doesn't happen that often but how many times do we see Von Miller get got it happens to the best of them so really this kind of thing right here you know people in the Dolphins organization are laughing here's what I say I think the world is laughing at the Dolphins right now who traded away Ryan Tannehill they're in absolute tank mode if it wasn't that evident then you need to turn on your glasses a little bit and look a little bit closer to the situation they traded away Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans and they brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick who Benjamin Albright called that stuff back in January as a possibility of what could happen. And it happened. Bing, 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 bing. We got a winner there. That's awesome. But one of the things is, too, is that Ryan Fitzpatrick, he may win you the first three games of the regular season, but then he's going to come back down to earth and teams are going to figure him out. The Dolphins aren't going to be very good. What is it that people are looking I mean, defensively for the Dolphins, I think that's their best strong suit right now. I think that that's their strong suit as a team. But for them to sit and laugh at the Broncos for picking up Jawan James, I, I'm, I'm eager to see what they mean by that. And, and I think it obviously this is obviously bulletin board material that Jawan James will put up and, and use his motivation in 2019 to prove the Dolphins wrong. Because look, as a player, anybody ever talks bad about what you do in your game, you have a chip on your shoulder. Now, it's not necessarily going out there and proving to them that they're you know, that they're wrong. It's going out there and just proving that, look, I'm a player. I'm going to do what I do. Whatever other people say doesn't affect the way that I prepare for a game. That's the number one thing. You know, if every single athlete really cared about what people said about them and how they played, I guarantee you nobody would be good. Nobody in the NFL in any kind of sport would be good. So I'm eager to see with this one. What are your quick thoughts on the, you know, those comments there? In all honesty, I don't think the, I think the Dolphins are kind of in a position where they shouldn't be laughing at anybody because they are a laughing stock right now. It it really is, and and we're being honest, Cody, because I mean, Juwan James is coming to a much better situation because his former assistant offensive line coach is now here in Denver. He has arguably the best offensive line coach here, and I would imagine that was one of the key enticing points to come to Denver, aside from family ties and his wife being here. I mean, am I right? I mean, yeah. I mean, so I, I, and I think too, Cody, that even, even the one thing that they may be laughing, Cody, but remember everything that we talked about last year that, or even before, or, or even before he even signed, weren't there discussions, Cody, of the Miami Dolphins trading Juwan James to potentially the Denver Broncos? Yeah, for CJ Anderson in last year's trade deadline, there was a possible deal on the table. It didn't happen. Right. So if they say that they're laughing, 
than about it, then why didn't you guys just trade it to the Denver Broncos then? I mean, so I, I mean, that's the thing to me that probably stands out as far as one of the glaring things for me is that if you guys felt so blatantly happy, should we say, or blatantly, uh, I guess, obvious that you guys really are happy that Juwan James is off your plate, then back when that trade in particular was on the table, wouldn't you have wanted to ship him out then? I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're being honest on that one, I, I don't know. It's just, it, to me, it just seems very, very like you're, like, like you were alluding to. I don't know. It just seems very maybe salty, really. That, that maybe they really do feel like they lost their guy, but they're trying their best to pin it. That they feel comfortable with the guys that they have. I don't know. It's just, but that was one of the biggest things that I thought of as far as the trade and everything else. That you know, if they truly felt this way, if they're laughing at the Denver Broncos or anybody that would have consumed Juwan James, the player, and in particular the Denver Broncos, who they had trade discussions with, wouldn't you want to just relieve that at that point in time? Yeah, it just seems very vague. It seems very petty. I mean, you you see stuff like this happen every single year. A team will kind of release some dirt, you know, and this is just like a private conversation that Andy Benoit had kind of posted out there. But, you know, I, I would say take it, you know, with a grain of salt, but the film doesn't lie. Like if anybody has any questions about Juwan James, go back and watch game film on him at right tackle. He does a lot of great things. I think he's got a lot of things that will contribute to what the Broncos are trying to accomplish under a new scheme in the year 2019. I think that's something that everybody has to strongly take into consideration. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. I'm a big believer in the proponent that film never lies. NFL Game Pass, get it. I'm telling you guys, you want to see in-depth analysis on players? Go watch film. Stop watching box scores. Stop watching stats. That stuff doesn't tell you a dang thing about the game or what a player can do. It really doesn't. Stats are such an easy cop-out to true analysis. Go watch the film. The tape doesn't lie. I promise you guys. And if you need help watching film, guess what? We're going to be launching something here very, very soon where you can actually get in on the action. We can watch film together, break it down, show you what to look for, and the X's and O's, and how to identify coverages, so on and so forth. A really cool feature coming up that we're going to share with you guys here in the next couple of weeks. But yes, Cam, one more thing. I want to tell listeners of Lockdown Broncos this week, Benjamin Albright's filling in on Orange and Blue 760, the morning show, 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock with Ryan Edwards. And I tell you what, it was a great first morning on Tuesday morning. That was one thing I really enjoyed listening to those guys go back and forth. And and Ben's got a lot of good insight on a lot of things. We're going to be getting him here on the show here in the next week or so. So Benjamin Albright will be joining the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Really good guy, a guy I look up to in the industry. And I know a lot of people that are aspiring to get in the NFL industry look up to him as well. And, and you know, it, it, he's the definitely go-to guy. You need reliable news, I'm telling you. Go check out at Albright NFL, but also be sure to check us out at Lockdown Broncos, at Cody Rourke NFL, and at Cameron Parker PO. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the show. Before we get off air here, I'd like to encourage you guys to please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you love the show. That means the world to us. It helps us get better, and we keep pumping out content for all you avid Broncos country listeners who are the best in the business. I'm telling you what, we're closing in on an epic month. Close to $31,000 is where we're projected to end by the end of the month. Very excited about that Broncos country. You guys are phenomenal. We set the goal at the beginning of January. We'd like to get $25,000 a month. We've smashed that two months in a row. You guys rock. We'll be back again for another episode of the Lockdown Broncos podcast tomorrow. Check it out. Support at Lockdown Broncos. We'll see you then.